Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Here they are, the Quiz Kids, and sitting at teacher's desk is the chief quizzer herself, whom you also know as Aunt Fanny of the Breakfast Club and the Fran of Kukla, Fran and Ollie, Fran Allison. very happy to welcome you back to our classroom today, and I'm glad to be back at the Chief Quizzer's desk while Joe Kelly is having a well-earned rest. We have some real sticklers in our lineup of questions today, and Quiz Kids, here is the first one. Considering your initials as being Roman numerals, which of you Quiz Kids has an initial that, when multiplied by 20, would equal another Quiz Kids initial? Now, while you're thinking that over, let's have roll call. Pat? I am Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 14 years old and a 1A at Calumet High School in Chicago. Lonnie? I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 15 years old and I'm a sophomore at Maine Township High School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Mike? I'm Mike Mullen. I'm 13 years old and in the 8th grade at the University of Chicago Laboratory School. Melvin? I'm Melvin Miles and I'm 7 years old and I'm in 3B at North Park School in Chicago, Illinois and a visiting quiz kid who was the winner of the local quiz kids program on station WNBC in New York City, sponsored by the Savings Bank Association of Greater New York. Stuart? I'm Stuart Holnick. I'm 12 years old, and I'm in the eighth grade at PS14, Staten Island. And now back to our first question. Considering your initials as being Roman numerals, which of you quiz kids has an initial that when multiplied by 20, would equal another Quiz Kids initial. And I think it was Lonnie who had his hand up first. Well, my initials are LL, and L is 50 in Roman numeral, and that multiplied by 20 would be uh, 1,000, which is M, which is Mike Mullen or Melvin Miles. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, try to get two out of three on this one. How can the occupations of the following biblical and modern men be compared? Clement Attlee and Joseph. Stuart? They're both prime ministers. That is correct. Aaron, brother of Moses, and Sam Rayburn. Pat? Well, they were both speakers. Uh, um, Aaron was uh, speaking for the Israelites because Moses wasn't so good at that. And, of course, Sam Rayburn is speaker of the House of Representatives. That is correct. Gideon and Fred M. Vincent. Lonnie? Well, Fred M. Vincent, of course, is Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. And about Gideon, I'm not sure what he had to do along that line, although I'm not so sure whether he was a judge or not. Maybe he was. He was a judge. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> now, suppose you had a summer job at the zoo where one of your chores was to feed the reptiles. What would you give a painted turtle for dinner? Stuart? Give him meat. Meat? What else uh, might you give? You give him fish, maybe a little bit of tomato. Oh, that's nice. Calicorn, <laughs> fine. Well, uh, what would you feed a milk snake? Stuart? Feed him mice. That is correct. All right, that takes care of the dinner at the zoo. 
Now, put yourself in the shoes, or maybe I should say the paws, of the three bears as they returned home. What songs might express the thoughts that run through your mind as you see the situation that greets your eyes on your return home? Pat? Well, uh, they might uh, see that somebody was messing up their house, and they might say, someday I'll find you. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. Do we have any other ideas on the subject? Now, think of what's happened while they've been gone, and maybe that will help suggest you a song title. Well, they might uh, figure what they'd do if they caught Goldilocks, they'd say if. If, <laughs> yes, that might do it. Lonnie? Well, they found Goldilocks sleeping on the bed. They might sing Lazy Bones. Yes, they might very well. Melvin? Well, uh, now I, sh- I believe that the rocking chairs were broken off, though, and uh, could uh, memories could have been brought by one of the bears and could have been singing Rocking Lore in my old rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Pat? Well, they could sing on that line, old rocking chairs got me, or they could <laughs> see how long they've been down and sing my grandfather's clock or the syncopated clock or something like that. Say, we could make an opera out of it. <laughs> I think we better get on. Women are supposed to be great talkers, especially over the back fence. So let's put the literary characters Snow White and Queen Gertrude of Denmark in that setting. What topic of common interest might they discuss? Pat? Well, they might be discussing about kingdoms, of course. Yeah. Very, uh, very uh, rightfully, because Snow White later became queen, and of course, Queen Gertrude was Hamlet's mother. She was also queen. That is correct. You think of a uh, Stuart? Might be discussing poison. They might very well indeed. <laughs> now let's put Arachne and Miss Muffet by the fence. What might they be speaking of, Lonnie? Spiders. Spiders. Well, here we go. We're all through with that. It's not unusual to see Indians pass the peace pipe. But what family of birds copies this ceremony in eating its food? What family of birds? Well, I think perhaps I should tell you then that it's the cedar waxwing. And I find, upon asking and digging a little deeper into this subject, that it's quite an interesting thing. They might all be seated on the limb of a tree and they pass a morsel of food all the way down the line and might not taste a bit of it, but just hand it on to the next so you can see what extreme generosity exists in the family of the cedar waxwing. We can all take a lesson. (laughs) Here is a question that all you boys should enjoy because you probably all have favorite baseball players. See if you can describe him using electrical terms. Pat? Well, you could say he's a live wire. Yes. Or he's a hot shot player. Yes. Well, no, you couldn't say. Uh, you could, uh, Mike? You might say he gives me a shock. Yes. Pat? He gives it a hard charge out there. Yeah, very. We could use a lot of those. Lonnie, did you think of another one? Uh, I can't find out any. Uh, well, let's see. How should I word this? Uh... You couldn't find anything. What's the matter with them? Supposing <laughs> 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 you, uh, Stuart, do you think of something? When he, uh, when he runs around, he always touches the uh, inside corner of the bag to say he uses a short circuit. Yes, you could say that. <laughs> if you were describing his hitting, you might say he was what kind of a hitter? A light hitter. Well, maybe, or uh, a switch hitter. Hmm? <laughs> Fair enough? <laughs> All right. Now, here's a history question that really sounds hard to me. 
Four ex-governors of New York have been elected to the office of President of the United States, but there were also some New York governors who were defeated for the presidency. Two of them lost to the governors of other states. Can you name the New York governor who lost the presidential election to the governor of Ohio? I, I'll give you a, a little clue. I will tell you the approximate date. Would that help? 1876. Well, I think we've, we've missed that. So, uh, Lonnie, have you an I'm idea? I'm not sure. I think maybe the governor from Ohio who won in 1876 might have been Hayes. That is correct. Well, he beat Tilden. That is correct. That takes care of it. It's wonderful. Now, what ex-governor of New York lost the election to the governor of New Jersey? Pat? Well, I can think of one governor of New Jersey. That was Woodrow Wilson. And I think that might have been William Howard Taft. No. Or, uh, uh, Woodrow Ch Wilson is correct. Or Charles Evans Hughes he beat the other correct. time. That is correct. <laughs> now, they didn't have soap operas in Shakespeare's day, but suppose he had written his plays in soap opera style. Which story might have sounded like this? And Greg... Greg Donovan, you promised to help me out on this. Are you all set? Absolutely, Fran. Well, all right. Suppose we tune in. Folks, you remember in yesterday's episode, our heroine had fallen asleep in the woods, only to be awakened by the singing of an approaching stranger. Now, as she opens her eyes and looks up, he stops in the middle of his song, and our heroine says, Please sing a little more. I like your voice. I like your looks, too. As a matter of fact, although I've never seen you until just this moment, yet somehow, deep inside, I, I just know that I'm in love with you. Well, uh, that doesn't make much uh, sense, but I guess there isn't much sense in love anyway. Come on, sit over here by me. Well, I really, really must get to the barber's. My face feels so hairy. Wouldn't you like something to eat? Well, I am kind of hungry. Tell me, sweet, what would you like? Well, I could go for some, some good sweet hay. Who is this stranger in our heroine's life? I believe Pat was first. Well, that would be from the Midsummer's Night Dream, and that was Titania, and uh, that was Bottom the Weaver, who had his head transformed into that of a donkey. No wonder it felt hairy. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know whether that was due to the excellent acting on the part of Mr. Donovan or whether the question was just real easy. I'm not sure. <laughs> Suppose you were piloting each of these planes and were about to take off. Where would you most likely be as you climbed into your plane? First, if you were going to fly an FH-1 Phantom. Melvin? Well, did you say, uh, what plane? Where would you be? Oh, well, uh, in taking off, I believe you'd be, uh, you might be in the, uh, ship deck. That is because, correct, uh, on an aircraft carrier. That's right. This is a, this is a jet fighter, a Navy uh, plane, and it is 
um, the first plane that was able to uh, land and take off on carriers. First that is plane, right. Rather. It's the first one. There yes. are others now, but it was the first. All right. <laughs> now, let's go on from here. From where would you take off in an XF-85 parasite fighter? Melvin? Well, I believe you would be taking off from the B-36 because uh, the parasite fighter has no uh, landing gear of its own and, and it has to land and take off in the B-36. And uh, in order to make it fit, uh, by the way, this is a very small plane. It, it's only 15 feet. And the bomb bay of the uh, B-36 is uh, 16 feet. So it has a very little uh, room. And the wings are uh, from wingtip to wingtip, I believe, 21 feet, and uh, the wings fo fold up so they are able to, uh, uh, so it has a little more room. And the engineers who uh, designed the plane didn't want to have to fold up any part of the tail. So to do that, they uh, made an excellent tail. You're very right. You <laughs> the whole way through. You know, folks, we have an all-male board tonight, and so I'd particularly like to hear them answer this question. If you saw a girl whom you'd like to meet, but didn't know anyone who could introduce you to her, how would you go about meeting her? <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a challenge. This you can't read in books. This you must know. <laughs> Lonnie? Well, uh, there's the always the old method. You come up with a another friend and go up to the girl and say, I would like to introduce my friend who will in turn introduce me. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's real great. <laughs> well, tell me now, that, that's a great plan. <laughs> Could we, uh, let's, uh, let's learn a little more. Well. Stuart? Well, uh, you can say we're from a poll and ask her her name and things like that. Yes, you could take a poll. That's, that's a new approach. At Pat? Well, on that order, you could ask her if you were on some streets, a direction to some library or something like that, or to another street, and yes, then strike up a conversation. A good, solid way. citizen, certainly. <laughs> Melvin, you, you strike me as someone who wouldn't be at all at a loss. What would you do? Well, I think at my age, I believe that you'd just be able to go up and act kind of inquisitive. <laughs> I think you could, Melvin. <laughs> I, think, I think you could do that, Melvin, at any age. I'm sure you could. Now, we know that both the North and South Poles are magnetized, and that when you're north of the equator, the needle on your compass points north. But suppose you were standing right on the equator. Then in which direction would the needle point? Melvin? Well, I believe that a compass always points to north, so I imagine they would be pointing to north. That is correct. Uh, Lonnie? Well, I, I was going to say north, too, but isn't it because the magnetic pole of the north is closer to the equator than the magnetic south pole? Well, it's, it's governed by the law of the pole. Is that not right? The north-seeking pole of a compass will always point north, oh. regardless of where it is located. Is that not correct? That's right. All right. Melvin, does that fit in with your way of thinking? Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah. Now, if animals could read comic strips, a deer might be most interested in Buck Rogers. 
Oh, Which comic strip might the kangaroo like best? You think of one that would interest him, Melvin? Well, I'm not uh, sure of the name of this comic strip, but I know that there's uh, some comic about some kind of a king, and uh, I, I believe it follows up, and there is a kangaroo in it, some kind of a male. I, I guess it's a, uh, supposed to be a male. Oh, well, well I'm not I mean, familiar with that particular one, but it might. might, might. That. Mm -hmm. Lonnie? Well, I believe there is a comic strip called Hoppy. That's correct. <laughs> that is correct. How about a cat? Mike? Well, uh, there is a comic strip called Cheerto's Cat, isn't there? Uh, I'm not sure. I think of another one. You may be right, Mike. I I'm really not sure. Lonnie? Well, there's Cicero's Cat. Yes. Drawn Melvin? And then most, the most common, I believe, is uh, Felix the Cat. Felix the Cat? And uh, how about uh, Mickey Mouse? Oh, my. <laughs> and a cow in a certain nursery rhyme. This is a particular cow, so he... Lonnie? Well, a cow that could jump over the moon would be interested in interplanetary flights. He might like Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers. Might or very well, or... A... Then again, he might like Hoppy, too, going over the moon. <laughs> yes, he might. Well, also Moon Mullins. Moon Mullins, <laughs> fine. Certain literary characters made use of very unusual hiding places. Now, each hiding place will itself be hidden in the music Helen Westbrook will play. Who hid in the place suggested by this song? All right. Lonnie? Well, the song is Horses. All right. Uh, well... I don't know who would have hidden in a horse. Oh, oh, the Tro in the Trojan War. That is correct. That is correct. Now, who hid in the place suggested by this song? Pat? Well, that's, I think it's from, I'm from Iowa. It's the uh, it could be Iowa not, Corn Song. That's right. That's the correct title. Let's see. Maybe hidden the corn somewhere. Now, if you can just go a little farther. <laughs> Melvin? Uh, Puss in Boots, I believe, because... Uh, Puss in Boots, the, exactly. The cat hid in the... Hid uh, there for how long, do you know? How often? I think every day. Every, because he was trying to get what? Trying to get uh, uh, different birds and things for his master, so that? his master wouldn't kill him. That is correct. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> Win or lose, the following men became famous. See if you know who they were. Get two out of three if you can. Who crossed the Rio Grande in 1836 and lost? Lonnie? Is that Santa Ana? That is correct. That is correct. Who crossed the Hellespont in 481 B.C. and lost? Pat? That would be Leander. No, that is not correct. Did you, did you understand the question, Pat? Who oh. crossed the Hellespont in 481 B.C. and lost? We are speaking of of uh, winning or losing? Well, he did cross, uh, I think it was uh, to get to his uh, girlfriend over on the other side, and he lost his life. Well, if you want to speak of it that way, that would be a correct answer. Do you think of another one? 481 B.C. Pat? Well, then again, it might be the Persians or the uh, Greeks in the Greek and Persian War. The king of Persia. The king of Persia. Uh, I think in that war it was uh, uh, Xerxes. That is correct. That is correct. Who, who crossed the English Channel in 1066 and won? Pat? That'll be William the Conqueror. That is correct. 
Now, if you will, try this quickie on, on classical music. What composition by what composer has been given the same name as Beethoven's Sixth Symphony? Lonnie? Well, that's uh, the Sixth Symphony of Beethoven. It's called the Pastoral Symphony. There are several answers. There's an early symphony by Vaughan Williams, which is called Pastoral Symphony. Also, an orchestral interlude in the Messiah by Handel is that called is, Pastoral that Symphony. That is correct. Now, if these people were traveling by train, what accommodations would be most appropriate for each? For, uh, let us say, a football player. Stuart? Coach. Coach. All right. How about uh, a dentist? Mike? Pullman. Pullman, very good. <laughs> or you might even go into a little more detail and say, uh, describe the particular accommodations in the Pullman, which might be either Stuart? The upper or lower. Either an upper or lower. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and an artist, Bonnie. A drawing. A drawing room. <laughs> now that the gardening season is here, many flower lovers are planting snapdragons. But can you tell us who was said to have planted dragon's teeth? Pat. Well, I ought to say that was the fellow who found the city of Thebes. And I um, don't quite remember his name right now. I think he, he just planted dragon's teeth and uh, men sprung up from it. Giants, I think they were. Well, that you, you are correct. Uh, Cadmus, Cadmus, wasn't it? No. I, uh, Melvin? Uh, well, the men that Pat is talking about, weren't they knights, I believe? You, you mean the, the, uh, the growth of the teeth yes. as planted? Yes. The men in armor? Yes, that, that is correct, but uh, Lonnie? Wasn't it Jason? Jason is the one of whom we were thinking. That is right. Do you know, uh, do you know how, he was, how he was able to, uh, to uh, succeed in spite of that, because of what, Mike? Well, uh, didn't, he, didn't he throw a stone in the midst of all these knights, and they thought, uh, they thought they'd hit each other, so they started fighting off the That is right, it was a, a charm which had been given to him uh, was that not right? Yeah. Pat? It was given to him by Medea, the sorceress. That is correct. If you were riding in a taxi in Italy and musical terms were the only Italian words you knew, how might you direct the manner in which you wanted the chauffeur to drive? Now, remember, you, you only know uh, musical terms. Lonnie? Well, if you wanted him to go faster, you would tell him to accelerando. Yes. And... Uh, if you wanted him to go slower, it'd be decrescendo. And well, uh, if you wanted uh, to go back and see something again, you would say uh, decapa. That is right, because that would mean to go back to the beginning. And if you wanted to stop, you would say fine. All right. You think of anything else? Does anyone have anything to add? If you wanted to go uh, get there in a hurry, you might say what? Do you think of a title for that? Well, Prestigious. Prestigious, that's right. Pat? Well, uh, here's a kind of corny one. You might say spirituoso, which means spiritual-like, uh, because if you go too fast, you might be up in heaven. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you might. you might. Now, here in the Midwest, we have fog. And in Los Angeles, they have smog. But where would you find zog? Mike? Well, it sounds kind of like in a science fiction story. 
I have no doubt, but maybe he has experienced many things, such as you might find there, but that is not the answer I want. Stuart? I think there was a king by that name in the Bible. Well, the particular uh, <laughs> name I want is a present-day figure, so can, does anyone think of it? Lonnie? Well, maybe there's somebody's initials. No, no. Well, then I will tell you, it is King Zog of Albania, and he is now in Egypt in exile. All right, that is a myth. Each of these men laid claim to the fame bestowed on another man on the ground that he had performed the same feat earlier. Can you identify them? First, how about John Fitch, who received the honors that he might have claimed? Pat? Well, that was about the steamboat, and that'd be Robert Fulton. That is correct. And who is given the honors that might have belonged to Leif Erikson? Uh, Mike? Christopher Columbus was given the honors of discovering America. Well, some say that Leif Erikson got here first. That is correct. And who received the honors that were claimed by Dr. Frederick Cook? Lonnie? I believe that was Tasman, wasn't it? I beg your pardon? Tasman. No. Uh, ex first to explore the South Sea Islands in Australia? No. Uh, you're thinking of a man by, by that name, but not the, the gentleman of whom we're speaking. Lonnie? I, I must be discovering the South Pole and Amundsen. No. Pat? It might be the uh, discoverer of uh, the radio uh, Marconi. I think there was a, somebody who uh, said they invented it before him. No, that is not the answer. Stuart? Uh, there was a cook who claimed uh, Peary's claim to the North Pole. That is correct. That is correct. He, uh, as a matter of fact, was, was credited with it for a time, and later uh, the claim was disallowed because of uh, other fraudulent claims he had made. Now, I think we can get two out of three on this one. If you were an architect and the following people came to you, what kind of a home would you make for them? If Daphne came to you, what kind of a house? Pat? Well, now, Daphne was changed into a tree. That Could is right. be some uh, house made out of some of uh, a tree's wood. That's right. All right. What about uh, Medusa? Pat? Well, uh, she, she, anyone she looked at turned to stone, so it might be a stone house. A stone house. All right. And uh, how about uh, Cerberus? Pat? Well, Cerberus is a three-headed dog. Could be dogwood. <laughs> well, or you might also make him a, a what? Well, a three-section uh, house or something, or a house with three floors. Well, you could like do that. that, or just make a plain, ordinary... Lonnie? Bark. Pardon? Bark. A bark house? <laughs> <laughs> Melvin? Could make a um, triangle-shaped house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess you could, too. <laughs> All right, there goes the bell, children, and that means that school is over for today. And while the judges are figuring up your scores... I would like to say a word to all the boys and girls who entered the Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest. I want you to know that the scholarship committee has read each of your letters very carefully, and shortly they'll be ready to name the teachers they have selected as the best teacher of 1951 and the most promising teacher of the year. It's the big news you've been waiting for, so don't miss the announcement on the Quiz Kids program very soon. And now here's the news you quiz kids are waiting for. The judges report. 
Remember, whether you win or lose, you will each receive a United States saving bond for your future education. And of course, you weren't scored, Stuart, because you were a guest today. But I know the folks back home in New York must have been very proud of you. Now let's look at the report cards. As a class, you children missed two questions this evening. Individually, Lonnie was first, Pat second, and Mike and Melvin tied for third. So we will see you four back in school next Sunday to compete with Betty Sotinoff, age 13. And so I want you to know that I've had a lovely time this afternoon, and I hope you have, and that you'll be back with us next Sunday. So until then, at the same time, this is Fran Allison dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Goodbye, Goodbye. Miss This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.